David thought he knew where he was headed when he died. He was filled with hope that he would finally be reunited with his mother in heaven. But fate had other plans. Instead, he found himself lost in the fiery pits of hell, surrounded by mocking demons who laughed at his life on earth, the life of excess and regrets that had led him to this place. But little did he know this journey would lead him to a realization that would shake the very foundations of his existence. This NDE is profound in so many different ways. He visited both hell and heaven. A month prior to his NDE, his sister, Miranda G., experienced an NDE, What a Family, a Reinted Soul Band. I suppose I should tell you a little bit about myself before I begin writing. I lost my mother and a friend, a girl who I wanted to go on a date with in November of 2003, which was about three months earlier. My mother died as a result of injuries she sustained in a car accident, and my friend and I both died in a plane crash. I suffered a broken left ankle in the plane crash and was forced to take leave from the army. Just a few days later, I learned that my mother had passed away. That's why I felt the need to mention it. Both of them have happened to me. I had been back home for a few months when I learned I had stomach cancer. I was receiving treatment for it and managing all of the negative effects it was having on me. One of the medications could potentially result in a heart attack, but the likelihood was one in a million, I was informed. I started experiencing minor chest pains a few weeks after I first started. So I went to lay down for a while. After about an hour, my brother, who was at home, and at the time was an army medic, came to look at me. When he did, I told him that I was experiencing severe heartburn and a heavy feeling in my chest. He took my blood pressure and advised me to take it easy and unwind. Then he informed me that I was experiencing a heart attack. He started treating me after having my stepmother dial 911. Prior to the arrival of the fire department, he and our stepmother worked on me. In the emergency room when I was there, my chest felt heavy and my entire body felt numb. I remember hearing my doctor say, no, we can't lose him, let's keep going. I don't want to lose him. He's just a kid as the room began to turn black and I had trouble hearing everyone around me. Please give me another round of EPI. Charge it to 360 and continue bagging him. Then everything turned deadly quiet and black. Then I was in what I thought was a waiting area as my doctor was seeing my father. When I couldn't save my brother, despite having medical training, my brother, who was in the emergency room with me working on me, began to walk around in a daze and ask, what did I do wrong? He could not hear me when I tried to tell him that I was okay. Then I recalled what my sister had claimed happened to her shortly after she had her NDE. Oh my God, this is what death feels like. But where are my mother and grandfather? She claimed to have heard music. Where is it now? Where is the dazzling light she spoke of? Then everything turned pitch black, and I lost all vision while having all of my thoughts replayed to me. Then the area around me began to become foggy. And then I felt myself moving down a pitch, black hallway. My name was then called and I was instructed to proceed. I was all right, and this was my home. They had come to lead me back home. I had a sense that something wasn't right, and I wanted to turn around and go in the opposite direction, but I was told that I couldn't because my time on earth was up. I was instructed to keep going and would soon see my mother. The voices keep urging me to follow them and keep up with them. Every time I turned around, I had the impression that something bad was about to happen to me and I should return the way I had come. 
The voices told me to keep going and keep moving every time I turned to look behind me. I told myself that enough was enough, and that until they explained where I was and where we were going, I didn't want to move from where I was. We had arrived at the point the voices said that I was currently in the right place. Then I thought I could smell sulfur and death. The voices then began to laugh and claimed that I had become like this as a result of my life. I inquired as to my location and what would occur next. The voices simply continued to giggle and said what I said. Because this was not what my sister claimed occurred to her, I reasoned that I must be in hell. She didn't describe heaven like this. I then heard my thoughts being spoken aloud. The voices then claimed that I was not eligible for heaven. I knew this was going to be my heaven. Then one of them announced that feeding time had arrived. My arms felt like they were pinned against the wall, and I was then pushed back against it. I was in a complete state of helplessness when I saw what appeared to be a hairball approaching me with shark teeth. The voices I heard were small monsters that were morphing into hairballs, and then back into monsters when I looked to my right side. They were the most hideous things I had ever seen or would ever see. They had the appearance of snakes crossed with bats and something with horns. Their bodies resembled those of snakes and they had wings. They have hands and arms that resemble those of a bat. Their teeth resembled those of a snake and a bat, and their faces resembled snakes. They had horns, but they were different from the horns of a bull or ram. Although they had horns, I couldn't say that they were earthly in nature. I questioned what was happening to me as they began to resemble hairballs. I could hear my feelings being expressed aloud as they laughed and told me to stop talking. They then began to approach me, and as they did so, I immediately felt queasy. My first thought was, why is this happening? Where is God, and where is my mother? Then I sensed them eating me. When I looked down, I saw that parts of my body were missing. I turned to face them and saw that they were chewing on parts of my body. One of them then uttered the words, We already told you that this is your heaven and that we are your God. They temporarily stopped feeding after I began reciting the 23rd Psalm aloud. I have no idea why I did this. One of them claimed that it wouldn't help me right now. I insisted that because the Lord is my shepherd, he should make me lay down in lush pastures for his sake. They then collapsed into a ball and cried out, There is no one to save you. I continued to recite the 23rd Psalm. In spite of the fact that I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you, your staff, and your rod are by my side. They give me comfort. They began to crowd in this pile, saying there was no one to help me now, and I felt my arms suddenly become free. I was then standing. I believed I had to recite the psalm in its entirety to escape this place, which I now perceived to be hell. I therefore made an effort to remember every word I was capable of saying. He led me to a place where there were still waters, and he healed my soul. You prepare a table in front of my enemies. You pour oil over my head and overflow my soul, and you have always been loving and kind to me. I had to close my eyes as a wonderful feeling suddenly overcame me at that point. Then I heard someone say, Joe, open your eyes, in a voice. It will actually be all right. I recognized the voices belonging to my friend, whom I had intended to ask out in November 2003, just before she perished in the plane crash, in which we both perished. Then she said, 
Sandy, he's afraid to open his eyes right now. Perhaps you can persuade him to do so since I was born in November. My mother always referred to me as her sweet Thanksgiving baby. She then said, Joe, my sweet Thanksgiving baby, adding, you're okay now. The worst part is over now. Open your eyes, baby. It's okay to be scared, but you need to open your eyes now. My little sweet pea, please for me, baby. This is when I realized that I had heard my mother. When I finally opened my eyes, she was standing in front of me, hugging me, and she instructed me to look below. When I did, my body was once more unified. The body parts that were bit off were still attached to me. She assured me that everything was fine now, and that I had a decision to make, but she first wanted to demonstrate a few things to me. After taking my hand, we started walking. A castle was the first thing she showed me. It appeared both very beautiful and very old. I could see knights riding into battle on horses. In addition, I could make out that the castle was perched on a lush hillside. Additionally, I could make out shepherds feeding their flock on the hillside. Then, since I had never seen a hillside like that before, I asked my mother if I could feel the grass. As we drew near, I could smell the grass because she had taken me down so I could... I wanted to eat a piece because I thought it was watermelon because it smelled so sweet and overpoweringly like watermelon. I couldn't, my mother told me. It was for the sheep to eat. The ocean was the next thing she showed me. It wasn't someone who lived on Earth. The ocean was a deep navy color. It was almost cobalt blue, if I had to guess. I was given the all-clear to drink some water by my mother. When I did it, it was wonderful. It resembled eating a snow cone with Tutti Frutti, bubblegum, and raspberries. It was unlike anything I had ever experienced or, at the very least, hadn't yet discovered. She informed me that everyone gathers by the ocean to drink and unwind. She continued by saying she had one more thing for me to see. She had to show me even though it did not make her happy. I said it was all right. It was acceptable if she had to display it. I wouldn't prevent her from showing me. She had to do some of it. She drove me to our home where I entered the rooms and saw my family. I wanted to know how my presence in their lives made them feel. In every space, I could sense a profound loss. They were grieving and wondering what might have been for me in my life, and their hearts were heavy. I questioned my mother if Mandy experienced this during her NDE. Mom disagreed, stating that her NDE was distinct from mine. Because each person is unique, they all have unique experiences. Mandy has not followed my lead or completed the tasks that have been assigned to her. Before she has shown any of what I was seeing, she still has work to do. I then questioned my mother about whether she was showing me this to influence my decision as to whether to stay with her or return to my dad and my family on earth. She replied yes. She urged me to choose where I would be from the options available. She then informed me that I had to appear before a person and that I should now approach him. She advised me not to be alarmed by what would come next. Then we headed to the location she designated as the point of decision. There was a huge scene to my right when we arrived. Then a dazzling light suddenly appeared. I could make out a golden center in the light as it got closer. The center was directly in front of me when it stopped, but he said nothing. I was then instructed to look at the situation to my right. My mother told me it was fine as I turned and to just express how I felt. I was able to view pictures of my earthly life. My previous schools, all of my friends, all of my animals, and all of the practical jokes I pulled on my teachers. 
The last pictures I saw were of my family at that point, as well as all the games my brothers and I played and the times I hurt my sister. I was questioned about what I had learned about the other person's feelings after it was over. I acknowledged this and apologized profusely for any pain I had inflicted on them. I needed to make a decision, according to the light. I had the option of staying or leaving, as I pleased. Right in front of me was the crossing. There was no turning back once I crossed the gap with just two feet to spare. If I crossed those two feet, I intended to stay. I remarked that while I wanted to stay, I couldn't bear to think about how my family would feel if I persisted. I wanted them to be happy that everything was fine, but I knew that if I stayed, they would miss me too much for me to be happy. I was told it was okay for me to return because it was my decision to do so. The golden light then instructed my mother to take me home. She assured him that it was fine. Then she said, okay, baby, just lie down and focus on me. It's okay to feel scared, but keep in mind that everything will be fine. Keep in mind that I adore your dad, your siblings, your brothers, and you. All of you, including your new stepmom, will have my support. She then instructed me to close my eyes so that when I opened them again, my body would contain my father once more. She added that although I would experience pain, everything would be fine. I would return home in about a week, and in a few months, my stomach cancer would be completely cured. I felt myself float back into my body as I closed my eyes. I could see the words and solutions passing through me as I did. I seemed to be learning all the information I could possibly want to know at the same time. About six hours later, when I opened my eyes, my family was by my side, delighted to see me again. I was at a loss for words when trying to explain my experience to them. At least the part I felt was hell, though. I found it difficult to explain to them, or even to make clear to them, that I had spent some time in hell. My mother misjudged the extent of my suffering. About a week later, I was able to return home because I had no pain. My stomach cancer did completely heal in about three months. Some might claim that I stole this idea from Reverend Storm. Some might argue that a portion of mine resembles his. Only after I had my own did I learn about his. I was curious as to whether or not anyone else had similar experiences.